Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Yes. This year has been a hot mess. In fact, I want to go one step further than that. Because this year has been a hot mess inside a dumpster fire. Let's go one step further. It's been a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. But I'm here to share some good news with you today. This is the last Sunday of 2020. And there are, there are only a few more days left when we, when we can say 2020 is now behind us. And over the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to share with you all, I'm going to give it away right at the top. I'm going to share with you all the one thing, the one thing that you can do today to make next year slightly better. Now, I say slightly better because this one thing that I'm going to ask you to do, it's not a magical cure. It's not going to mean that as soon as the calendar turns over to January 1, your life is going to be magically better. And I don't want to, so I don't want to overpromise you anything. I mean, after all, we're in church, and whether you are a Bible person or not, you know that church is the one place where you probably shouldn't lie. But I do promise you this, if you do this one thing, not only will it have the potential to make next year slightly better, but it may even cause you to look back on 2020 and realize that this was actually a significant year for you, that it wasn't just a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. And this one thing, it's also going to help you the next time you're facing a hard situation in life. It's going to help you the next time you're facing a difficult season or when life seems to be just falling apart. But I'm going to get to that one thing in just a minute. Before that, let's be honest. This year has taken its toll on all of us, right? In fact, statistics released in Australia just last, last month showed that more than Eight and a half million Australians reported suffering from mental health conditions in 2020. More than 26% of Australians have struggled with anxiety this year, and depression is up almost 20%. The report showed that one in five people were diagnosed with depression in 2020. Now, my fear is, when I put something like that up on the screen, my fear is that we don't really feel the impact of that, especially if we're not the one in five. It can be easy for us to not feel the impact because we're all dealing with our own stuff, right? We've all got stuff that we're juggling. But numbers like this matter because people count. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to take a second right now just to look around you. If you're sitting in a row, have a look up and down the row. If you're watching online, have a look at the people who are maybe around you right now. I want you to take a look around. And I want you to ask yourself the question, who in my close proximity has struggled or is struggling with depression right now? And then I want you to look back up here. Because I am the one in five. 2020 was the year that I got diagnosed with depression. In January this year, everything was lined up for me to have an absolutely unbelievable year. My family and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, 
and we were surrounded by a community of people who absolutely loved and adored us. My wife and I worked at one of the largest and most successful organizations in our industry. I had just accepted a position to do some work with a company in Israel that would see me fly to the Holy Land several times in 2020 to make YouTube videos. I had my whole year was booked up in speaking engagements that would see me fly around the world. My second book had just sold out on Amazon. My eldest daughter was flying around the world serving communities in need. And my two other children, my two other daughters, they were seniors in high school. Everything looked lined up for 2020 to be the most amazing year for us. But then COVID hit. And at the end of March, the state of Georgia went into mandatory eight-week lockdown. This is literally what it looked like for a city of six million people to be in COVID lockdown. And if this photo looks a little bit familiar to you, it's because it probably looks a little bit like this promotional image from a show called The Walking Dead. Both were shot in Atlanta and both were shot during a pandemic. The pandemic on TV involved zombies. But that was what Atlanta looked like at the time. And because of COVID, all of my speaking gigs got cancelled. All of my travel got cancelled. Maybe you're here today and you're like, the hardest thing about 2020 was we had these big travel plans and now they had to be cancelled. The same thing happened for me. My daughter who was off travelling around the world, we had to bring her back suddenly and rush her back before the US shut down. And then my other two daughters, they had to transition from in-person school to totally online school, and everything became extremely isolated. And then my work pressure started to increase. See, as a social media and online pastor, I started to get inundated with calls from churches looking for help on how to shift from being in-person to online. I mean, the church that we worked at alone has over 100 partner churches around the world, and most of them needed some help. And so I started working around the clock. It wasn't long before I was being pushed and pulled and prodded in all different directions, literally at all hours of the day and night. The demand caused by COVID meant that after a little while, I was working 16-hour days, seven days a week, for over four months. And while I was really obsessed with this work because I was so passionate about it, and while I worked obsessively with way too little breaks, I still found it hard to keep up with the work. And then on top of that, I was losing the two things in my world that were giving me life. See, there are two things that usually happen in my world that I draw a lot of life from, and COVID took both of them away. Because the COVID lockdown meant that I couldn't see my friends anymore. We were shut in at home. And I'm a social person, and I draw a lot of life from the people around me. And when that got knocked back, I started to think insular and started to feel isolated. And then my family, while they were at home with me during lockdown... I was so busy with work, taking one more Zoom call, doing one more podcast, doing one more staff meeting, that I felt chained to my desk and I didn't actually get to spend the time with them that I wanted to. So the two things that were giving me life, COVID had started to take away. It was around that time that I started to suffer from insomnia. And 
for weeks on end, I would survive on two or three hours sleep at the most. And when I did get up in the morning, the stress was starting to pile on right from the moment I got up. My body started to shut down emotionally and physically. Everything just seemed to hurt for a while. And then the headaches that I was having started to transition into migraines. And I noticed that I was becoming really irritable. I was really easily frustrated at home. And I was extremely short-tempered. The, the pressure and demands that COVID had placed on my family and my work had sent me into an emotional and a physical spiral that I just couldn't pull myself out of. And I wanted to succeed and I wanted to keep everybody happy and I wanted to help all these churches, but the pressure just kept building and building and I wasn't given enough time to recharge and I started to feel myself spiraling down. So at the end of July, I finally took my wife's advice and went and saw my doctor and he immediately prescribed me antidepressants. Now, if you're here today and everything that I've just shared, you empathize with because you've been through a similar thing. I want to encourage you with this. At Suncoast Church, we have trained counselors on staff who are ready to help you in whatever way they can, whether this is your first time, your first time in a long time, or if Suncoast is your home, they're here to help you. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you speak with somebody before you leave today. But for a lot of you, 2020 might not have included depression. 2020 might have been a hard year for sure, but it might have been not as hard as what I just described. But I still bet that during this past year, everyone in this room, everyone watching online, everybody listening on podcasts, at some point this year, you've probably felt some of these emotions. Maybe you felt isolated at a certain point this year. Maybe it happened over Christmas because you couldn't see your family come in. Maybe you felt loneliness this year. Maybe you felt at some point trapped Trapped in a financial cycle that you couldn't get out of. Trapped at home because you weren't allowed out. Trapped wearing a mask like most of us in Atlanta were for the entire year. Maybe you felt scared. Maybe you felt anxious at some point this year. Maybe the emotion that you most felt during 2020 was stress. Maybe you've been scared about your own health or your family's health. Maybe you're a business owner and you've been anxious about the future. Maybe... You're one of the millions of people who lost their job in 2020, and the thing you're most stressed about is how you're going to pay the bills next month. I think we've all had a year where everything has just felt hard and barren and dry. And 2020 was a year when we all probably asked ourselves at some point, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? When the world has gone through what we've been through in 2020, when there was literally nothing that we could do, it can be really easy to get frustrated. It can be easy to start feeling resentful. It can be easy to get angry. And it can be really, really easy to be discouraged. I mean, there were times this year when I wondered where God was in all of this. I'm sure there were times when we all wondered whether God even knew what we were going through. Maybe this year you wondered if God cared about your situation. Well, the good news is if you're a Christian here today, the Bible has a lot to say about these questions. 
And if you're not a Christian here today, the good news is the Bible has a lot to say about these questions. You see, for a while, um, I bet for some of you, for a while, I bet it felt like God was missing this year, that He's not in your situation, or He's not in your situation even right now, but I believe God is with you, and that we should never let the presence of a hard time cause you to doubt the presence of God. You should never let the presence of a hard time cause you to doubt the presence of God. But that is such an easy thing to do. But the reason I can say that, and I can say it with confidence, is because of one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. It's a story that whether you grew up in church or not, I guarantee you've heard this story. In fact, it's not just one of the most famous stories in the Bible, it's one of the most famous stories in human history. It's the story of God leading Moses and the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the desert, where they wandered around for 40 years. Now, maybe you've read this story in the Bible, maybe you've had this story told to you when you were a kid, or maybe you saw the movie. Probably for a lot of you, you saw the movie. And right now, you you, you may be wondering what the story of God leading a group of people through the desert thousands of years ago could possibly have anything to do with 2020. But I think it does. But before I get to why it does, I want to give you a refresher on the story, okay, just to catch you up a little bit. It starts when the Israelites had been held in slavery in Egypt for about 400 years by Pharaoh. Then along comes Moses, uh, Moses, and he gets told by God that he has to lead the people out of slavery into freedom, into this great new place that God was going to have planned for them. Now, during the departure from Egypt, which is something that the Jewish people, even to this day, still call the Exodus, during this Exodus, God leads his people to freedom through the Red Sea. You might remember that from from the movie. Then God takes them out into the desert. Once they're out in the desert, he takes them to a place called Mount Sinai. And Moses goes to the top of that mountain, and God presents him with the Ten Commandments. Again, you probably remember that from the movie. And then God leads them into the desert towards the promised land. He leads them through this really hard place because he knows he has to get them through this hard place to the place that he eventually wants them to be. But that's where things go horribly wrong. See, the people start losing faith in God and they end up getting stranded in the desert. And what ultimately happens is they stay stranded in that desert for 40 years. Can you imagine what it would be like to be stranded in the desert for 40 years? That's 10 Olympic seasons. A trip that should have taken them two weeks ended up taking them 40 years. It's because a man was leading and he didn't ask for directions. But can you imagine what that would have been like, to be lost, to be stranded for 40 years? If any of you went to the mall during Christmas, I'm sure you know exactly what that feels like. I mean, mean, the, the Israelites were stranded in the middle of the desert for 40 years, in this hot, barren place. They struggled for 40 years, stranded in the middle of the desert. I struggled for 40 weeks being stranded in my own home. 
and I have Wi-Fi, Netflix, Apple TV, and a popcorn machine, yet I still struggled, even with all of those 21st century items. Now, the Bible often refers to the desert where the Israelites were stranded as the wilderness. And I think that word gives us an incorrect picture, because whenever I heard this story, I always thought wilderness meant trees, and I thought they must have been lost in these trees, right? But then I learned that when the Bible talks about the wilderness, it actually refers to the desert. So then I assumed, I've seen Aladdin, there must be sand dunes. But this is what the desert of Israel actually looks like. In fact, this is the actual wilderness where the people of Israel wandered in. It's called the Negev, the Negev Desert, and it sits between Egypt and Israel. And you can see there aren't any sand dunes, those are mountains. Instead, it's this really hard and rocky environment. The ground is uneven and rough, and it can, be, it can easily throw you off balance. Any of that sound a little bit like 2020? I've actually had the chance to visit and work in the desert of Israel several times. I've even had the chance to sleep in the Negev desert where the people were wandering and where they were stranded. So I can tell you firsthand just how hard and difficult a place it really is. I mean, the heat in the middle of the day can be unbearable. One time I was there, it was 52 degrees, 52 degrees Celsius. It is literally the hottest place I've ever been to. And I remember one time I was working there, I was doing a video shoot in the desert, and the producer asked me to go for a walk in the desert on my own. He said, just go and walk off into the desert, because they wanted to get this epic drone shot of how isolated this place really was. And so I walked off. I walked off about two kilometers as far as I could go to a point where after about 30 minutes, I literally could not see the film crew anymore and I felt completely isolated. I got to a point where all I could see in any direction was this vast desert. And I remember in that moment feeling more alone and more isolated than I've ever been. And I started to wonder what it must have been like for the people of Israel to be stranded in that place. Stranded, isolated, lonely, anxious, worried about whether or not their situation would ever get any better. Does any of this sound like 2020? So I was in the middle, uh, it was in the middle of this desert that the people of Israel were stranded in, when after a few decades, they start grumbling. And so Moses gets up and he starts to talk to the people. And he says something that I think probably caused a lot of the people to think, think Moses might have lost his mind. Maybe the whole desert situation has just made the old man crazy. Moses gets up in front of all of these people who've been stranded for so long. And he says this incredible thing. He says this. We're going to look at it. It's from Deuteronomy. He says, for the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. And I can imagine at this point, the people are just looking around going, Moses, do you know what's going on? Do you understand what we're going through? Do you see that we're lost? Do you see that we're stranded? Do you see that we're struggling to figure out how we're going to take the next step forward? What do you mean we have been blessed? And so Moses reminds them, he says this, during the 40 years, during these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Now, do you notice that Moses does not play down what they've been through? 
He does not play down their experience. He doesn't just tell them to stop stressing, stop worrying. He doesn't even reassure them that God's going to miraculously make everything better tomorrow. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He simply reminds them that when life was at its toughest, when they felt the most isolated, during the most difficult season of their life, he reminds them that God has been with them. And if that's true then, then it's true for us today. No matter what desert you have personally walked through, your family has walked through in 2020, no matter what stress, no matter what anxiety you have felt, God has walked and is walking with you through the desert that you're experiencing. See, God never promised we wouldn't face deserts. He promised to walk with us through them. God didn't promise you that life would be rosy. He didn't say there's never going to be a hard season, there's never going to be a desert in your life. What he said was, I'm just going to promise to walk with you through them. Now, I understand that something like this can be a little bit hard to hear, especially if you're a Christian. So, you know what I want to do? Here's what I want to do for a second. I just want to speak to the Christians in the room. The people who at some point in your life have decided to follow Jesus. I just want to talk to you guys. If you're watching online and you're a Christian, I just want to talk to you for a second, okay? Just for one minute. So if, you, if you're here today because somebody promised you lunch and that's how they got you to church, or if you're watching online because your mom sent you a link and watching the service is part of your Christmas present to her, you literally have my permission right now just to tune out. Just tune out. I just want to talk to the Christians. So if you're a Christian in the room, just, just look up here for a second. I don't know how or why you started following Jesus, but if somebody told you that as soon as you ask Jesus to come into your heart, your life is going to be all rainbows and unicorns, that's not biblical. That's not anywhere in the Bible. See, it's actually the opposite. God never promised us that we would face deserts. Read that again. God didn't promise you that you wouldn't face a desert. He just promised to walk you through them. And in fact, this is something that that Jesus picks up a few centuries later from the Moses story when his followers are going through a whole completely different sort of hard season. He picks up this idea again and he says to them, in this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble in this world, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Now notice that Jesus takes a book, a leaf out of Moses' book, right? He doesn't say that if you, follow, if you follow me, your life's going to be untouchable and you can just stop worrying and just stop stressing. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that you're not going to go through a difficult time. He actually says the opposite. All of us will face hard times. Life will get out of control sometimes. We will go through times when life hurts, when we get stressed, when we wonder how we're going to get through the next day, when we are up late at night worrying and stressing, when we're scared what the next day might hold. That will happen. All of us at some point will face that, and we're going to face it next year. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online, you're going to go through a tough season again next year when life feels isolated, when it seems like everything has dried up and you're not sure how you're going to take a next step forward. God promised that this would happen, but he also promised to walk through us through those seasons. And more than that, God promises to actually equip us to get through those seasons. Let me explain what I mean to you. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. The last time I was in Israel, we left, we we went with a group of people from our church, and we went to a place called En Gedi. 
And Getty looks like this. These are some of the photos I took out in Getty. It is a natural spring in the middle of the harshest desert. It is the most incredible place. There are waterfalls like this dotted around this valley that's covered in trees in the middle of the desert. In fact, one of the most famous kings of Israel went to this place called En Gedi, and he wrote poems about how beautiful it was and how much it was like God being an oasis in the middle of the desert, right? That king's name was David, and the poems he wrote are called Psalms, and we actually have a whole book in the Bible called Psalms, and it's all poems by this king named David. I mean, this place was absolutely stunning. And as our team were experiencing the waterfalls, my wife at one point said, where's Dave? And I was up scrambling through the dust because I was more fascinated by the wild desert goats that were climbing up and down the cliff faces. This is a photo I took of one. I was more fascinated by them. I mean, they were absolutely everywhere. I mean, the word en Gedi in Hebrew actually means the spring of the goat. So you can imagine they were everywhere and they were climbing up and down. Now these goats are called ibixes and they're known for their unique ability to climb up the sheer face of a cliff. Now in the deserts of Israel, there are a lot of mountains that are hundreds of feet high and they have, most of them have this 90 degree cliff face on them. And the ibex are not only able to survive but thrive in this sort of environment because they've adapted to the point where they can climb on the side of a mountain on the narrowest of ledges. This is what the ibex are known for. They can walk along a 90-degree cliff on a narrow edge. And the reason they can do that is because they have these specially designed hooves. Their hooves are actually really sharp on the outside and there's a concave in the middle and it forms a natural suction cup that literally holds them to the cliff face. This, these, this video shows you some of that, but if you really want to see how good their climbing ability is, I want to show you this video of a dam in Italy. This is a dam in Italy. You can see it's almost 90 degrees, right? And the local ibex have learned to climb this, mount, uh, this dam wall so that they can lick the salt that forms on the bricks of the dam wall. And they're able to go up in the most incredible places. I mean, it's nearly 90 degrees, yet not only do they climb it, but they climb it and they teach their young to climb it as well, and they stay there and they, look at that. It is absolutely, so you can see why. I mean, this is a near 90 degree cliff, and this thing is just going up and down it like it's going to the mall or back, right? It's, in, it's insane. I, so you can see why I was fascinated with them. Now, here's the deal. While all of that is interesting, some of you might be wondering what that has to do with, um, what, that has to do with what I'm talking about today and, and how God can equip you to get through a tough season. Well, have you ever noticed that sometimes life throws at you an uphill battle? And if you're a Christian here today, when you're facing an uphill battle, usually what you'll do is you'll start to pray and ask God to take away the uphill battle. And maybe you'll go to church and you'll ask your friends, hey, can you pray that God will take away this mountain, this uphill battle that I'm facing, and instead replace it with a level path that's really easy for me to walk on. But David, that king who went to En Gedi, after watching the ibex go up and down those mountains so effortlessly, he wrote this. He said, God, he, 
God makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. And the Hebrew word for deer in that verse is the word for ibex. So perhaps, instead of asking God to take away the mountains we face next year, we should be asking God to give us the feet of an ibex so that we can climb that mountain. Because sometimes the purpose of a mountain is not to stop us from moving forward. The purpose of a mountain is to give us a new perspective when we stand on top of it. But we need to be equipped to get up. Sure, your mountain might be hard to climb. It might seem insurmountable to you right now. But as well-known pastor and author Louis Giglio says, you don't have to know everything about the mountain in front of you to take the next step. So at the start of this message, I told you that I was going to tell you one thing that you can do today to make next year slightly better. And while I think the Ibex thing is cool, that's not it. That's not the one thing. But before I get to the one thing that you can do to make next year slightly better, I wanted to make sure I had taken enough time to let you know that facing hard times is normal. Being worried about hard times is normal. Being scared during hard times is normal. Asking where God is in the middle of your hard time, that's normal. You're not alone. We all do that. We might not always admit it, but we all do that. And having doubts about your faith during a hard time, during a desert season in life, that's normal too. All of these things are normal, and I would never just stand up here with a microphone and tell you just to stop worrying. And I do not expect that from one message in church, you will suddenly never feel stress again. You won't be anxious about what the future holds. But I do know there is something that you can do to change your perspective during hard times. And I believe this will not only make next year slightly better, but it will help you get through every difficult season that you face. Every desert that you walk through, it will make that a little bit easier to deal with. And if you're in the middle of a desert right now, I hope that it will encourage you to change your perspective. It's a thing that I learned when I was wandering in the desert when I was off about two kilometers away from everybody else, from everyone and everything, when I couldn't see them, this is what I learned. See, as I walked out into the desert that day, and as the team flew this drone over me, I knew it was going to look really cool. It was going to look epic because of the vastness of the desert. But halfway out, I started wondering how long it was going to take them to get the shot. I started then wondering how long it was going to take me to walk back. And so I started doing some mental math in my head of when I was going to get out of the desert. And don't we all do that when we're in the middle of a desert? When it's a metaphorical desert, don't we all wonder, when is this going to be over? When am I going to get out of this desert? I mean, all of us are collectively literally counting down the days to the end of 2020, right? Wondering, when are we going to get out of this desert? But whenever we focus on the when we will get out of the desert, when we will get out of the situation we're in, when the stress will be over, when it will stop hurting, when we will go back to work, when my relationship will be restored, when will life get easier? When we focus on the when, have you ever noticed that it takes, seems to take forever to come? So as I stood in the desert that day, I stopped asking when I would get out of the desert and instead started to ask what I would get out of the desert. 
And that one thing will make next year slightly better. No matter what desert you're facing today, no matter what desert you're facing, you will face next week or next month or next year, no matter what it is, your life will not get slightly better by chance. It will get slightly better by choice. And that happens. The choice we have to make is to change our perspective, to ask a different question. So we need to stop asking God, when can I get out of the desert? And instead, ask God, what can I get out of the desert? Stop asking, when can I get out of the desert? And instead, ask God, what can I get out of the desert? By asking what you can get out of the situation you're in, you actually get to write the end of the story. By asking what, you can find purpose in your situation. You can find out the reason why you faced that uphill battle. And in that purpose, you might find hope. When our daughter Chelsea was born, our new family faced an uphill battle. See, Chelsea was born with a tumor on her spine that was the size of her head. And the day after she was born, my wife and I were bumped around from hospital to hospital as doctors tried to figure out what they needed to do. And we eventually ended up at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And when she was one week old, Chelsea underwent a six-hour operation to remove the tumor from her spine that they believed would impact her ability to walk. And I remember as a dad that day handing my baby girl over to a nurse and signing forms that absolved the hospital of any responsibility if she died during surgery. I remember handing the baby over and then stepping out of that pre-op area and into a desert. Now, my desert didn't look like the Negev desert. It looked like a long hospital hallway with some gurneys on the sides and some nurses running around. That's what my desert looked like in that moment. And I remember as I dropped to my knees and prayed and asked God to look after my girl and to save her. I remember now that that's as close as I've ever been to God because God was with me in that desert just as he promised Moses. God was with me in that desert. Now, don't get me wrong. During that time, all I wanted was for it to be over. I wanted to know when Chelsea was going to be okay. But as the years have gone on and Chelsea thrived from the operation and she had no issues with her ability to walk, I started to turn my attention towards the what. And as the years progressed even more, I started to realize there were a lot of what's I got out of that situation. And to be honest with you, none of them really justify what happened to my girl. But they helped me find purpose for it. And they helped me find hope through it. In fact, even just last month, my family, what we had been through, uniquely positioned Meg and I to encourage and support some friends of ours in Israel who had some medical issues during the birth of their firstborn. And we were able to come along and support them uniquely because have you ever noticed that sometimes pain makes you uniquely able to help other people who are in pain? And we we were able to walk through that desert with them. You see, if you want to make next year slightly better then you need to start to ask yourself, what can I get from the hard situations? 
as you face tough seasons, tough situations, difficulties, frustrations next year, don't ask when you can get out of that situation. Ask what you can get out of that hard time. And this, this is not a Christian thing. It's just a thing, thing. But often the what, often the what that you will find, you will find that that what is that God was with you during your desert. So here's what I want to do for you right now. I want to give all of you a moment, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, or if you're listening on podcast a week from now, I want you to pull your car over and take just a moment. I want you to take a moment to think about the deserts that you've walked through in 2020. Think about those hard times that you've faced. For some of you, you might struggle to think of the situation because 2020 wasn't that bad. For some, you might have to think all the way back to the start of the year when you went through something difficult. And for some of you, coming up with something difficult is super easy because you're in the middle of it right now. But I want you to do this. I want literally everyone to take out your phone and I want you to write down in a note what that desert season was for you. Or take out your piece of paper and just write down what was that desert season that you went through. Maybe you've got one. Maybe you've got more than one. But write it down. The desert season was losing my job. The desert season was closing my business for four weeks. The desert season was having to cancel all of my plans to see family at Christmas or plan, a, uh, plan to go on, on a family vacation. Whatever that desert was for you, write it down. And then start to write down the what. What can you take from that desert you've been in? What can you take away? What was God trying to show you during that moment? And it might be that you don't have an answer and that's okay. It might be that your answer is just, I know that God was with me because I can look back with hindsight. But write down what it is. And maybe this is not enough time. Maybe you need to take this home as homework. But what I wanted to do was just to create a moment for you to identify your desert and identify what God was trying to help you see through that season. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au.